0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Clean my saber, old fatty. Hey, here's, here's a, a dollar. Yeah, hobo.
2: Hey, welcome to the Presequential Podcast, where we go from 1 to 45 in under 90 and discuss the life, legacy, and little-known facts about every American president. We're so glad that you are joining us. I'm your host, Ryan Allwart, joined by... Blaine Zimmerman. And our producer and vice presidential expert...
3: Russ Slivka.
2: Gentlemen, we are talking about president number 12 today, Zachary Taylor. Blaine, besides choosing the books that we read for the podcast... You also named the episodes. I'm excited. You didn't share this before we started recording. What are we calling episode 12 tonight?
1: No one asked. Um, (laughs) It's called The Ruffian. The Ruffian. It's a little play on his nickname, Old Ruffin Ready. Yeah, The Ruffian. And he was definitely a ruffian, as we will see. I like that. Yeah, I I was not expecting that at all. I like that you didn't know. Like Maybe that's the thing moving forward. I think you
2: keep it a surprise for me moving forward please. Uh, We also enjoy a cocktail every time we do this podcast in honor of the president that we're talking about. When we recorded Jefferson, he was a big fan of French red, so we drank a uh, Bordeaux. Uh, What did we drink for Washington? Horse soldier bourbon, because he was excellent on a horse. Tonight, what are we drinking
1: here, guys? It is backbone bourbon. Hmm? It is an Indiana bourbon, actually. It is. I was trying to figure out what made the most sense. And was looking at all the whiskeys in this like cellar. Tried to find something that like was from Virginia or had the word rough in it. Yeah, and couldn't find anything. So I was like Backbone. That works. Like that's. Yeah. And ha- tasting it, like, it's very strong. Uh, it is old rough and ready. <laughs> yeah, that'll put some
2: hair on your chest. It's a hundred and four proof Backbone Bourbon Prime Blended Bourbon Whiskey from right here in Indiana. Actually, no, Bardstown, Lawrence. Kentucky. Well, it's bottled there. Yeah, it's oh. made in Lawrence indian one of the lawrences we are all hoosiers so if you're a hoosier too or from the
1: midwest wherever you're listening welcome glad you're joining us and i will say zach taylor was a big fan of whiskey when he was brought up that maybe he should run for president he was like don't be ridiculous go have a glass of whiskey <laughs> that's paraphrasing but yeah it's not a direct <laughs> quote it's close i just really <laughs> quickly tried to look the quote up uh but couldn't so yeah we also uh, read a biography
2: sequentially about the presidents; hence the name Presequential.
1: Is that where uh, that comes from? Yeah, it is.
2: Oh. I think it came from a breakfast that we had, or maybe a text convo. It was text, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did we read this time, Blaine? You picked the books. You picked the the
1: alcohol. What are we What are we reading? Zachary Taylor. That that's that the is president. the name of the Wait. book. Oh, that's uh, the name of the book. Yes, <laughs> it is part of the American President series, which uh, we. Uh, up, up to this point, I think we have four. This is the first that we'll see of okay. the American President's series. It They are very uh, succinct mm-hmm. uh, compared to some of our others. This one was 140 pages thin, which was a, a nice respite yeah cool glass of water gosh uh, also really close to how many days he was the president uh that's true, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. this book though uh notably is written by john s.d. eisenhower hey that last name sounds familiar that would be because he is the son of general eisenhower that's right yes, yes. dwight I- himself ike if you will i will what president what number president
2: was eisenhower why would Gosh. you do that? I don't know. <laughs> you're, re- you're like reading, currently you're reading Woodrow Wilson, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm reading Grant right now. So you're like 17 in front of me. It feels like It's you're- weird. You're in the Civil War and I'm
1: in World War I. Oh,
2: yeah. That's yeah. kind of cool. But we're talking about the Mexican War You've got to
1: stay uh, present. Yeah. So John Eisenhower, uh, son of Ike, he also was a brigadier general and the former U.S. ambassador to Belgium. So I very much like Adam's grandson Henry. Yes. Decided. Oh yeah. As the line of a presidency, maybe he should become a historian. That's cool. Yeah. That's fun. This was a
2: skinny book. Uh, oh yeah. I was able to read this in about a day. Mm-hmm. You probably read it in about ten minutes. Plan. <laughs> um, we also keep a running page tally. Now that we're twelve presidents in, you said that one was one hundred and forty pages long, also known as one chapter in a Ron Chernow book. Yeah. We are at. 5,557 pages read. That's nice. Cheers. That is a lot. To being a nerd. Yeah. Cheers. And wherever you are, cheers to you, and thank you for listening to the Presequential Podcast. Guys, what do you remember about Zachary
1: Taylor from social studies, civics classes back in the day? Anything? I don't think so. Maybe that he also died in office, but that's about it. Russ... I mean, I
3: just got him confused with John Tyler. Okay.
2: <laughs> just because no, of makes the name. Sense. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I actually remember you said you remember him dying in office. I remember hearing about not, him. I wasn't
1: no not when it happened.
2: Right. <laughs> he would be uh, very old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered hearing about him getting exhumed when I was in like middle school. I think he was exhumed in like 91, 92,
1: around there. For what? We'll get to this. To move him to Louisville. What to move him to Louisville? No, from Louisville.
2: There were conspiracy theories around the, I think, the early eighties that there was a theory that he might have been poisoned, and we'll get into his death a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. Save it. The the exhuming process dismissed those conspiracies. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't remember anything about him though. Like we never really had a Zachary Taylor Day. I'd say most people don't. Yeah. If you're writing your thesis on Zachary Taylor and you're listening to this for some research, you're going to get frustrated. We're sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But if you just have a general interest about history, about American history, about the presidents, we're so grateful for you listening. Let's dive into Zach Taylor's early life and his education. Zachary Taylor was born on November 24th, 1784, on a plantation in Orange County, Virginia, one of many American presidents to be born in Virginia. He was born to a prominent family of planters of English ancestry.
1: Outside Montpelier.
2: Oh, is that where it is? Yeah. Montpelier was... uh, Madison? Madison, yeah. Uh, What was Jefferson? Uh, Monticello. Mm Mm-hmm. Although some people say Monticello, Russ, I remember when we were, when we recorded the Jefferson episode, I said Monticello,
1: and you raised your bushy gray eyebrows at me. Yeah, Monticello. 100%. That's because of Indiana. Yeah, that's true. It, Where there's more than corn in Indiana, at uh, Indiana Beach. Monticello, Indiana. Yeah. That's right. So one of uh, Zach's ancestors
2: was Elder William Brewster, one of the pilgrims who arrived on board the Mayflower. Brewster was an influential English separatist and preacher who called for independence from Britain. Taylor's father, Richard, served as a lieutenant colonel during the American Revolution, which brought that independence about. Two of Taylor's other ancestors who came over on the Mayflower were Isaac Allerton and Field. Brewster, there's an interesting name. From their line came Taylor's second cousin, James Madison, who would draft the U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and become the country's fourth president, serving from 1809 to 1817. That's kind of cool. It's not every day you hear about presidents getting related to each other. That's cool.
0: Mm.
2: There's a lot. Yeah, well, yeah that's true. Yeah. Okay. Take that out in post, Russ. Taylor was also a member of the famous Lee family of Virginia and a third cousin once removed, aka total stranger, uh, of Confederate General Robert E. Lee. His genealogy ensured that he was born well off. Since Orange County was already over farmed, however, his dad decided to move the family to Louisville, Kentucky in search of better opportunities. And as Kentucky's economy grew, the family became even richer, eventually owning 10,000 acres of land and 26 slaves to manage it. Because of his frontier upbringing, Zachary Taylor had virtually no formal education. His mother taught him and his seven brothers and sisters, big family, to read and write. He was a quick learner, but his early letters showed a
1: weak grasp of spelling and grammar, as well as poor handwriting. Uh, Actually, his first letter was a request for a commission into the army. It was the first letter he ever wrote.
2: Really? Mm -hmm. He had to have been, what,
1: at least 20 at that point? I I I don't have that down. I would assume probably younger than that. Yeah. Maybe Although, in his late teens. Yeah. Although he was incredibly old by the Mexican War. For
2: army standards?
1: hmm We'll get there. We'll get there.
2: As a boy, Zach wanted a career in the military, which for a planter's son was a respectable alternative to law and the ministry. Taylor received his first commission as an officer in 1808. Is that a second lieutenant or a first lieutenant? Second lieutenant. Now it's second. I don't know what it would have okay. been then. Uh, In 1808, he was immediately assigned to command the garrison at Fort Pickering, located in modern-day Memphis, Tennessee.
1: Do you remember why? I don't. It was because—no, no, no. no. His first command was Fort Knox. Okay. And it was because a captain got mad and shot and killed one of his lieutenants. (laughs) (laughs) That'll get you booted. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe Pickering is Knox adjacent, but— Okay. Yeah. He really got sent there because the commander— Killed the captain yeah someone in in his uh, sorry you have a navy background in the army a I captain do. is not a commander well My i mean dad was it in is, the navy yeah i know and your dad was a commander correct in the navy a captain is much higher rank than an army captain i think a commander is more like a lieutenant colonel yeah a captain is a colonel okay in the army a captain Is more like like a lieutenant commander or lieutenant JG, something like that. Much lower. Well, I don't know what the lower it's a company commander. Yeah. We have lost all seven
2: listeners. Yeah. (laughs) We should say, if you're just uh, now listening, uh, this is your first time listening to the Presidential podcast. First of all, wow, what an episode to jump in on. Yeah. (laughs) But Who yes, you? many of us have a military background. Uh, Blaine is in the military. I grew up in a military family. So shortly after entering military service, uh, Zach met a Maryland woman named Margaret Smith, whom he married on June 21st, 1810. Together they had five daughters and one son, but only four of their children survived infancy. Shortly after their marriage, Taylor commanded troops in the Battle of 1812 and defended Fort Harrison, which was located on the eastern bank of the Wabash River north of Vincennes, Indiana, go Hoosiers, from an attack by the Famous chief Tecumseh, fourth president and his cousin, James Madison, awarded Taylor the rank of Brevet Major on October 31st, 1812. It was the first Brevet ever awarded in U.S. history. The rank involved no raise in pay, and the authority that went with it was questionable. But for Zachary Taylor, it was a huge honor. Blaine, can you tell us what a Brevet
1: uh, is in military terms? We don't do them anymore. It's essentially a battlefield promotion so if you do something on the battlefield they don't have time to go through the normal promotion steps okay so you get it and then at the end of the war you go back to what your rank would have been
2: oh okay that's
1: why there wasn't a raise and pay
2: all right so it's a battlefield commission
1: promotion promotion yeah um hmm
2: i mean do they tap it on the epaulets and everything
1: i'm sure they did wow okay yeah.
2: but then when the war's done you go back to where you were before mm-hmm. you okay that's interesting. On April 20th, 1819, Taylor was promoted to lieutenant colonel. And then a couple of months later, fifth president at this time, James Monroe, made a journey to visit the western outposts of the army, accompanied by Major General Andrew Jackson, who was then in command of the western department. At Frankfort, Kentucky, the party was lavishly entertained, and Zach Taylor, who had retained a certain aura for his defense of Fort Harrison, was invited to join them. This was cool. I love. I love when we're reading these books when I see president's stories overlapping. One president and two future presidents were in that room, Monroe, Jackson, and Taylor, though nobody realized it, of course, at the time. Jackson was showing signs of developing presidential ambitions, but Taylor was the most unlikely presidential prospect imaginable. He was quite a disheveled, shabby-looking fellow, wasn't he?
1: Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about that. Did we did did you gloss over the Black Hawk War? I'm about to get there. Okay. Yeah. There's a awesome speech in it.
2: I can't wait to hear it. So as Zach moved from one wilderness outpost to another in the Mississippi Valley frontier, his family often accompanied him. Throughout the eighteen thirties, Taylor was gaining fame as an Indian fighter in the nation's continuing warfare against Native Americans. His service included postings in the present day states of Wisconsin, Minnesota. Mississippi, Oklahoma, Kansas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Florida, and Texas. That is a lot of territory to be
1: serving in. Oh, while his wife is back in Louisville. Gosh, I mean, no idea where he's at. <laughs> None. These letters are horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I can't read any of the them. Last time you wrote me, you were in Wisconsin. What is Arkansas? <laughs> what is this Swiss cheese that you talk about?
2: <laughs> <laughs> what is Arkansas? <laughs> Oh, man. Among other Indian battles, he engaged the Sacs led by Chief Blackhawk in Illinois in 1832 and the Seminoles in Florida in the late 1830s. Due to his bravery in advancing through the Okeechobee Swamp in Florida with his men,
1: Taylor was bestowed with the nickname Old Rough and Ready. Yes, which is a fantastic nickname. Considerably better than his boss or his future boss, Old Fuss and Feathers. <laughs> Um, that was uh, General Winfield Scott. Yeah, Winfield Scott. Old fuss and feathers. Uh, so at the Blackhawk War, he grew yep. a, a disdain, if you will, for militiamen, for uh, those that, that volunteer to fight in specific skirmishes, sometimes battles, and then go back home. Okay. Because he was trying to motivate the men, and he said, You are citizen soldiers, and some of you may fill high offices or even the presidency one day, but never... Unless you do your duty, forward march. And then some other higher ranking, quote unquote, because he was a militiaman officer, was like, yeah, you don't got to listen to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and he hated just the concept of militias ever since. Huh. Also, in between the Blackhawk and o- Okeechobee Whoa. in the Seminole Wars, mm-hmm. uh, his daughter was married against his wishes. Oh, man, this was a crazy story. Two, none other than... drum roll, please. Jefferson Davis. <laughs> in 1835,
2: Sarah met and married Sarah's daughter, a young West Point grad named Jefferson Davis. Mm-hmm. Zach disapproved of the marriage because he didn't want a military life for his daughter. In order to get Taylor's blessing, Davis resigned his commission in the military. Kind of a bold move, right? Sarah, however, died of malaria after only three months of marriage to Davis. She was Taylor's third child of six, to die from malaria. Davis, of course, would go on to become the president of the Confederacy during the Civil War. He and his former father-in-law remained estranged until serving together in the 1840s. How's that for a plot twist? Yeah, that's, I was relatively surprised by that. Yeah. In 1840, <laughs> Mrs. Taylor finally settled down in Louisiana when Zachary assumed command of the fort at Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Although a poorly paid career officer, Taylor had parlayed the 300 acres of land given to him by his father into holdings in Kentucky, Louisiana,
1: and Mississippi. This is a guy who is, I mean, if you—, if you That was his wedding gift. was gosh. 324 acres of land.
2: Mm-hmm. What
1: did you get for your wedding?
2: I don't remember. I think I got some, like, towels. Got a blender. Yeah. I got an... Oh, I got a Smoking hot drink. wife. Yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> That's what I got. Oh, okay. All right. I thought you were saying that, <laughs> you were saying that about Lauren. I mean, I get it. I mean. <laughs> Taylor was a nationalist. I mean, he he's serving all over this young-ish country. He's got land holdings in Kentucky, Louisiana, and Mississippi. I mean, this guy is... Already being primed for higher things, though Mm -hmm. he's kind of an uncouth individual, Mm -hmm. he has seen a lot of the country just through the military service.
1: Yeah, way more than
2: most. Yeah. When Texas was granted statehood in 1845, 11th President James K. Polk ordered Taylor into disputed lands on the Texas-Mexico border. When Mexicans there attacked his troops near the Rio Grande River, Polk declared to Congress in May of 1846 that war had begun by an Act of Mexico. Events then happened very rapidly— and with superior artillery, Taylor easily defeated the substantially larger Mexican forces in Palo Alto, Mexico. Taylor then attacked the city of Monterey, inflicting heavy casualties on its Mexican defenders, leaving 800 killed or wounded. Blame. As I was reading this book, knowing that this is a career military man, and you are a military man yourself, I was very interested in your perspective on Taylor's
1: role in the Mexican War. So... I believe we talked some about this in the last episode. Taylor, so we talked about the artillery, right? In Mm -hmm. the last episode where ours exploded and theirs did not, which is a relatively large advantage. And what I mean by that is Mexico was shooting lead yeah, that thudded and our lead exploded.
2: Were they traveling at the same rate? Ours just blew up?
1: It was just a different type of munition. Okay, he chose to sleep with his men in the field meaning he didn't stay in like officers quarters in the tents he slept on the ground with his mm. men he was 60 wow during the mexican american war that's old mm-hmm. like 100% led by example led from the front slept in yeah. the field with his men after battles and in the 1840s like 60 is like 75
2: yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you survive through your 30s
1: or 40s, you're, you're lucky. He, uh, he actually was recommended by Andrew Jackson to lead the Army of Texas. Hmm. So that's how, because Andrew Jackson was kind of pu- pulling a lot of strings at the time. He identified first as a Whig when he was there. He wrote William Henry Harrison a letter uh, that he never received Because he died before the letter got there. Oh gosh! (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He he essentially was like, "Hey, uh, he he was actually complaining about Jackson, who who recommended him for this post, and and no one ever saw the letter because Harrison died. Um, and probably no one could read it either. So fun story. Uh, He did not like to wear his official uniform. He just kind of wore whatever." So it was hard to identify him because he was also, as you said, unkempt, uncouth, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. you said. Mm-hmm. He was slovenly. Uh, yeah. Good synonyms. So he, wow. he was a thesaurus? I've been reading a lot recently. Yeah, good for um, you. He, There was a soldier that was looking for him. And, oh, I love and this story. Is found it? him yes. cleaning a saber, but he literally thought it was like a hobo yeah. cleaning a saber. So he offered him a dollar to clean his too. Yeah. And called him Old Fatty. He was like, hey, Old Fatty, clean this saber. I'll give you a buck. Comes back to get his saber, realizes it's General Taylor. Whoopsies. And his only, Taylor's response was, I'll take that dollar now. (laughs) Like wasn't, you know, like put off or, you know, pulled rank or anything like that. There's another story uh, <laughs> later where he he meets Commodore Connor, and Connor knew of his reputation. This was like the head of the Navy at the time. Yeah,
2: Commodore sounds very naval.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it might have been a bird. I'm not sure. Connor knew of Taylor's background, so okay. he purposely wore his civilians. Huh. Taylor had respect for Commodore Connor and his position, yeah. so he put on his dress uniform. And then they met each other, and they were like, ah, this is awkward. Ah, (laughs) this guy.
2: Look (laughs) at you. You're um, trying to be me. I'm trying to be you.
1: Well, he was also very understated. So when the Mexican-American War started, uh, his correspondence to Washington was the fighting has commenced, I believe. Yeah, it was a
2: very succinct message. Yeah,
1: it was like the fighting has commenced. Hostilities
2: have started. Yes, hostilities have commenced. commenced. That's what it
1: is. And then when (laughs) he ended the war his message was just our victory has been complete wow so book ended it with relative brevity yeah it's kind of robotic in that way there were a couple of interesting things i found from the mexican-american war okay one of them was the mexicans convinced a lot of irish soldiers to desert the united states military basically because they would go out and meet the Mexicans and the Mexicans treated them really well and convinced them that Catholics shouldn't fight other Catholics. Interesting. And okay. the Irish were like, "That's a good point. We'll just, we'll go home." Wow. Movements that were made by the army yes. were incredible. Like we'll see this again in the Civil War, but like they were walking thirty miles in one day, Gosh. in twenty-four hour periods, and then fighting a battle. My goodness. Like it was incredible. Like reading about it I was like, "What? That's yeah. that sounds awful." It sounds horrible. Yeah. In Mexico nonetheless. In with probably terrible equipment and you're also like you're bringing the horses, you've got carts, you've got all of your equipment. You're not wow. just like jumping in a LMTV and rolling on down. Jumping into a what? A truck. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, thank you
2: for dumbing that down to civilian for me.
1: There were there were some political happenings that happened with Polk removing Winfield Scott yeah because he realized if Scott were on the battlefield and did heroic things it would increase his chances to become president later that's correct so Polk didn't want him in the field he put him in Washington and then Scott like basically screwed his own chances because he was talking smack about Taylor yeah and those letters in which he talked smack ended up getting published. So let's unpack this. Okay. General Winfield Scott, commander of all
2: US troops in the in the Mexican War. Also known as Old Fuss and Feathers. I think that was more behind his back. Well, I would have said it to his face. <laughs> <laughs> Not Old Fatty. <laughs>
1: yeah. Clean my saber, Old Fatty.
2: Hey, here's, here's a, a dollar. Yeah, hobo. Don't spend it all in one place, Old Fatty. Well back then, uh, that was a lot,
1: was a a lot, lot of funny back
2: yeah. in that day. Anyway, General Winfield Scott ordered half of Taylor's army to join his troops for an assault on the city of Veracruz. Mexican General Santa Ana, intercepting a letter from Scott to Taylor, known then as Old Zach would be left with just 6,000 men, most of whom were non-regulars. In February 1847, Santa Ana threw his nearly 20,000 soldiers into the Battle of Buena Vista. Determined to annihilate Taylor, the two armies clashed, and when the smoke cleared, 1,800 Mexican soldiers lay dead or wounded. Taylor lost only 672. Thoroughly defeated, the Mexican Napoleon, as Santa Ana called himself, left the field, and General Zachary Taylor became an American hero and was compared to the likes of... George Washington,
1: and Andrew Jackson? Called himself. Yeah, No one else called him the Mexican Napoleon. (laughs) No one. He was (laughs) mostly awful. Like, he just sucked at being a general. And he was even worse at being uh, president. Was he an egomaniacal guy? I think that he did have some issues uh, later in life where he, like, lost his mind. Really? When he was president. And Hmm. because of that, we really relatively easily could have gone all the way through mexico city gosh it would have vastly changed our geographical footprint texas would have been massive yeah 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 because it's not now (laughs) Right. Have you ever driven through Texas? Yeah. I used to live there. Oh, you did? Yeah. When when did you live in Texas? 2008 to 2010. We lived in El Paso. Oh, gosh. Yeah, right there on the border. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I drove to Austin once, and I was like, we're halfway.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just drove nine hours. Good night. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, Texas, California, and Florida are both, they're all long drives. I spent my bachelor party in Austin. Austin's a good hang.
1: Okay. Yeah, like well, Travis.
2: thank Zach Taylor for it. Thanks, Zach. To, to Zach Taylor. Let's thank yeah. again to Zach Taylor. Again, we're drinking uh, some Backbone Bourbon whiskey from here in Indiana. Cheers to you
1: wherever you are. Hopefully you're not driving, drinking, uh, but cheers to you. And with that, we will take our first break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors. You are listening to Episode 12, The Ruffian of the Presequential Podcast.
2: Hey, everybody, it's Ryan. Thank you for listening to this episode brought to you today by our sponsor, Podcorn. If you are a podcaster or you're thinking about starting a podcast, You've got to sign up for Podcorn. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on Podcorn's platform. You can set your own rates for ads, and you get to collaborate with brands directly. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is right there to support you at every step and make sure that you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. You'll get notified when Podcorn has a new sponsorship opportunity that might be a good fit for your podcast. Submitting an ad proposal to brands could not be easier on Podcorn's platform. Go to podcorn.com, that's P-O-D-C-O-R-N.com, or you can check out the link in our show notes. Sign up today for free and start browsing sponsorship opportunities that will help your podcast grow. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to episode 12 of the Presequential Podcast, The Ruffian on President Zachary Taylor. Number 12. Taylor was courted as a presidential candidate in 1848, mostly because of his prominence as a war hero. Prior to running for president, Taylor had never even personally voted in an election. Pursued by both the Whig and the Democratic parties, he eventually declared himself a Whig and easily won the nomination for president. The Whigs actually nominated Taylor to be president without his knowledge or presence at mm. the nominating convention. <laughs> this is great. Uh, do you
1: remember why? Can, can I, I don't
2: remember that? why he wasn't able to be there.
1: Oh, well, he didn't want there to be a convention at all because oh. he he thought it was too much fuss and feathers. Um, oh, like his old the, boss. <laughs> no, so he was... Um, no, he said there was too much pomp and circumstance.
2: I wish there was a, a general named Old Pomp and Circumstance.
1: The Whigs like, literally couldn't get out of their own way. Correct. Like, it was just, it was ridiculous. They couldn't come up with policy. Like, I don't remember if we already talked about this or if we will, but, like, at one point they issued their their official policy, and it was only, like, four paragraphs long. Move. So he didn't respond to the nomination for a full month (laughs) because— they didn't pay the postage on the letter yeah, that's that they right. sent him. And so it just sat in a dead letter pile in yeah. like Florida <laughs> for, for a full month. So he Which had is, no idea. He didn't even know he was nominated.
2: Actually, kind of like today. I mean, I, I ordered a Mother's Day present for Lauren, my wife, last whenever Mother's Day is. And you didn't pay it's the postage? It's still not even here. Haven't gotten
1: it yet. But is. S- some chicken Etsy or, or some chick on Etsy? Oh, like. Some Etsy. That's a different side of Etsy. It's Chicken Etsy. Chicken Etsy. Chicken Etsy is Etsy, uh, a city in Mexico that Taylor conquered. Let's yeah. get back on the rails. The Battle of Chicken
2: Etsy. That's right. Though he didn't, they didn't pay the postage, and he didn't yeah. find out. If, he's like, oh, I guess I'm uh, being nominated for president.
1: Here. So he originally, uh, before being nominated, decided he was going to support Henry Clay, who was running again. And I have a note, a Kentucky Whig, right, or a Kentucky Democrat. I don't... He, this is the fourth time he was running. Good um night. He was always the bridesmaid, <laughs> never the bride. I, one of the notes in my Taylor section just yes. says, Henry Clay decided to try for a fourth time, LOL. <laughs> That's what you wrote in your yeah. notes. <laughs> LOL. This is... I never remember what I write down, and I read them like right before we start, and sometimes it. I'm like, man, what was I thinking? I love the way that
2: we prep individually for this mm-hmm. you you write them in field notes the the tiny notebooks yeah and you've got you've got tiny handwriting
1: you have to i'm
2: an evernote man i i, I, I dog ear the books as i read it and then i jot the notes down in here so, oh on your on my computer fancy laptop yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah i'm on my fifth field notes book right now that's pretty awesome like shout I out to field just, notes yes yeah
2: i thought that it was just a like a uh, Aaron
1: draplin who's Aaron? he's the designer
2: Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Let me see your field notes here, man. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's very Great simple, radio. Minimalist. Mm-hmm. Black and gray. That uh, one is. Dotted pages. That's what I prefer. I like your handwriting. Thank you. I could psychoanalyze it. i uh, yeah, I probably I'm, good. I'm not a handwriting <laughs> psychoanalyst, so it'd this be horrible. Is, yeah. <laughs> so Zach Taylor. Yeah. So back to Zach. Back to Zach. (laughs) The main political issue during the 1848 election uh, was whether the new territories gained in the Mexican War would be free or enslaved. Now, gold had been discovered in California in 1848, kicking off the famous gold rush. And there was tremendous pressure to resolve the issue of the territory's statehood as its population ballooned. Though a slaveholder himself, Zachary Taylor was primarily driven by a strong nationalism born of years in the army serving practically everywhere and by 1848 had come to oppose the creation of new slave states. To end the dispute over slavery in the new territories, Taylor wanted settlers in both California and New Mexico to draft constitutions and be admitted immediately into the Union, skipping over the phase of being a territory. Now, Taylor garnered the pro-enslavement vote, while the anti-enslavement vote was divided between candidates for the Free Soil Party, which nominated former 8th President Martin Van Buren, and the Democratic Party, which nominated Senator Lewis Cass of Michigan. Taylor managed to win the election despite only garnering 47% of the popular
1: vote. Lewis Cass, who is uh, memorialized here in Indiana by having a high school named after him. I did not know that. Where is that? It is in Cass County, actually. Well, there you go. Uh, It's north of Kokomo. It's in in the no man's land between Kokomo and South Bend. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: I wonder why, as a Michigander, why he would... Michiganonian? Michiganite? What do you call it? Jerk. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's, it's a mitten. We're up here. Yeah. We don't really go to the UP in the mitten. Uh, why would a Michigan guy be memorialized in India? He
1: was probably in the War of 1812 would yeah. be my guess. That makes sense. Because that's in that same general vicinity of yeah. where like some of the battlefields were. Michiana. Yeah, it's right by uh Wall, which is like the Miami Indians used okay. to live up there. Yeah. So it probably was some sort of like white guys came in and killed the indians and he was probably the the main white guy we're gonna name a
2: high school after you
1: what's a high school they're the cast kings
2: (laughs) cast kings yeah they should be the cascades
1: oh man they really miss (sighs) the opportunity what's a cade
2: no it's just for the pun yeah
1: Yeah. come on yeah
2: gosh (laughs) The news of Taylor's election traveled via telegraph as far as Memphis, Tennessee, where the line ended. And from there was carried aboard a paddle wheel steamer named, by coincidence,
1: I love this, the General Taylor. Did it have, like, Dixie on the front of it? And, like, when the guy that uh, went to drive it, like, ran up to it and slid across the top. And he was like, I'm in the General Taylor. (laughs) Come on, Jimbo. Come on. Get in the paddle boat. Basset
2: hound
1: hobbles along. <laughs>
2: well, when Taylor received the news of his victory on a boat with his namesake, which is crazy. Yeah. He showed no emotion at all.
1: Shocking. Taylor had From ens- a man that emoted often.
2: <laughs> He insisted that he would accept the presidency only if chosen by all the people. In the end, he had been chosen only by the Whigs, who were just desperate for a
1: winner at that point. <laughs> That's such a ridiculous— like, Just imagine the world where everyone's like, yep, him. He's our guy. Yeah, maybe when The Rock runs. but yeah, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, mm-hmm. but until then, I don't think we're ever getting consensus. Yeah.
2: Have you seen Moana, by the way? Oh, boy.
1: Uh, yes. Yeah? yeah. Have, have you seen our it with youngest. your three boys, or have you just yeah. watched it with your wife? When our youngest was a baby, uh, it was the only thing that could get him to stop crying in the cars if we played the soundtrack. I have heard it so many times. Do you
2: want to just take it for a spin right now?
1: No. We're busy.
2: What can I say? Yeah. Except... <laughs> Copyright infringement, so I'm going to stop singing. <laughs> Let's get into his presidency, okay? Taylor's term of service was scheduled to begin at noon Eastern on March 4th, 1849.
1: Hold but on. as- did yeah. they have time zones? I,
2: did, they-
1: I bet they didn't.
2: When the sundial reflects on the... I, don't I bet
1: know. it was just noon. Just noon. I don't think anyone's going noon Eastern. What time is that in Chicago?
2: It's mountain time. Yeah. Wait, we go that far? <laughs> <laughs> It's March 4th, 1849, but this day fell on a Sunday that year, so Mm -hmm. Taylor refused to be sworn in until the following day, March 5th. Vice President Millard Fillmore was also not sworn in on that day. Now, most scholars believe that according to the Constitution, Taylor's term began on March 4th, regardless of whether he had taken the oath. Folklore holds... That David Rice Acheson, as mm-hmm. president pro tem of the Senate at the time, unknowingly succeeded to the presidency for this one day. But no major sources accept this view.
1: Well, and it also doesn't make sense because his term ended as president pro term of the Senate on a, like the day before.
2: He would have been out of a job. Correct. As well. yeah. yeah. So yeah.
1: their theory is incorrect.
2: Yeah. That's interesting though. Like I mean, when was this? This was it 18- would be more
1: interesting to figure out who the actual person would have been. Oh yeah. Like yeah. who would have been taking over that position mm-hmm. that was already in the Senate? Like yeah. Yeah.
2: This is eighteen forty nine. I mean it's not too long ago that, yeah. that falling on a Sunday uh-huh. had. I mean we have blue laws here in Indiana. They're 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 morphing, they're changing. We, mm-hmm. we you can buy alcohol, you know, on a Sunday now
1: from a for short very, time time.
2: Very small window. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 1849, thinking that, like, I'm going to wait a day because it's the Sabbath. That's mm-hmm. interesting.
1: From somebody that wasn't overtly religious yeah. as well.
2: Yeah. Not the real Sabbath, Russ. This oh, boy. This was the Gentile Sunday. Yeah.
1: So I always <laughs> thought it was kind of awkward that uh, when he was present, there were two things that I thought were relatively awkward. As okay. president, Winfield Scott is still in charge of the army. Oh, so so, you mean old fuss and feathers? Yeah. So he went from being his subordinate to his boss overnight. Wow. Which had to have been somewhat awkward. Yeah. Also, right after the election, he ran into Henry Clay. Uh, and as we've stated, Zach Taylor is a, uh, a, a slovenly gentleman. And, and Henry Clay. <laughs> you make it sound like he's <laughs> Shrek. <laughs> yeah. He was. Zach Taylor looked like Shrek. Yeah. Um, Clay didn't recognize him. Wow. Like Taylor walked up and he was like good game and henry was like who is this hobo (laughs) get out of here old fatty (laughs) here's a dollar polish my sword (laughs) wow man his his daughter married uh william bliss what would i think the only surviving daughter right yeah he had let's see he had five or six six kids uh i think he had Lost like three to malaria.
2: Yeah, and he lost two within like four months of each other. Yeah, like real this quick, was typical. Yeah. On there the were the, there were
1: those two, and then there was the one that yeah. married Jefferson Davis, and he didn't want her to, so he bam malaria, not <laughs> married to him anymore. The uh, see, where can I get some mosquitoes? His his surviving daughter married William Bliss, which is the namesake of Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas. I did not know that. Yeah, wow, it's all full
2: circle. Yeah,
1: being that's uh, cool. Selfish, anytime something is adjacent to my life, I make sure I take a note about it. Good for you. I'm (laughs) proud of you. I've never been more proud of you than in that moment (laughs) where you dropped a Fort Bliss reference. Well, we talked about I lived in El Paso. You did. Uh, spanish for the paso correct Mm -hmm, that's right spanish for the matador
2: (laughs) (laughs) taylor's first few weeks in office were crammed with official engagements there was also an unusual number of funerals he had to attend including the totally unexpected memorial service for taylor's predecessor 11th president james k polk who died only four months after leaving Mm -hmm. office More memorable, however, was the funeral of Dolly Madison, the 81-year-old widow of fourth president James Madison. It was at her funeral that Taylor coined a new term for the American lexicon,
1: First Lady. I was hoping you would say "Like Dolly Madison Bakery. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's a thing. Is it? Yeah.
2: I've never heard of the Dolly Madison Bakery.
1: They make baked goods.
2: Well, I would imagine they do. <laughs> okay, so he does came up. the her, first Does it line? have her her face on the bread? Or the I don't know. I mean, she was pastries?
1: relatively well loved. I think that. Uh, when, I mean, marketers in the eighteen hundreds yeah. uh, they they just were like, "What's popular? Put that thing wow. on there." Yeah.
2: But Put the lady's face on who yeah. saved the portrait of George Washington when her husband <laughs> let the White House burn under his watch. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, anyway, speaking
1: of the White House, yeah. when he was president, it was essentially in disrepair. Like. Leaks, mold, wood falling off. He
2: was he was probably cool with that though. I yeah, he think. was like,
1: I'm right at home.
2: God, this place is
1: nice. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You ever old. slept on the ground in Mexico?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is luxurious.
2: <laughs> wow. I am impressed.
1: So Margie would have had to uh, fix it up. Yeah, buy some curtains. <laughs> yeah. Go to she'd that bathroom. Joanna Gaines situation there. Yeah.
2: Magnolia. Uh huh. Yeah. So anyway, he coined the term first lady, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Kind of fun.
2: Anyway, the issue of slavery at that point, and specifically the question of whether slavery should be allowed to expand into new Western territories won in the Mexican War, dominated most of Taylor's time in office. Though he was a slaveholder himself, he supported the so-called Wilmot Proviso, which would have effectively outlawed slavery in new Western territories. Now, Southern states threatened to secede over this issue in February of 1850, and Taylor... (laughs) A nationalist to the core, promised to lead the armies himself if necessary to preserve the Union.
1: Texas was one of the first states to threaten secession, which, <laughs> which is just funny. hilarious because they were like the newest, yeah. and they're still doing it.
2: Yeah, right, yeah, right. <laughs> We're kind of our own thing. Yeah. You're
1: welcome for the roadhouses in
2: our namesake, where you can throw the peanuts on the floor. But uh, country music, we did that. The cowboys. Yeah.
1: Uh, the the at the, around that same time was when there was a Mormon faction in Utah that about right. applied. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Jazz is what they called themselves. Uh, the um, jazz. They applied there. to Sorry. to create their own state called Deseret. Uh, and Congress denied it because they said that basically, if they were approving it, they would be approving legalized bigamy.
2: Okay, because at that point, who is the the, the Mormon leader? Uh, Brigham Smith? Young, Joseph Smith. Well, Young, yeah, yeah, Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and his cronies uh-huh. wanted they wanted bigamy on a, on a religious ground, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay, and so they're they're going out west saying, if you just leave us alone, let us have our own thing. Yeah, we're still Americans, but just let let us have our own space.
1: It's interesting the, the argument comes and goes as we read some of the presidents it kind of pops up here and there because there were there was like we, we talked a couple episodes ago about the first um uh, army unit that was based on a religion or that had a reg- religious affiliation because they told all this mormon group like hey if you join uh we'll give you some land yeah and so they fought it was the mexican american war which okay. was probably the last episode yeah um, it comes up later when, when the same issue comes up again in the late 1800s. Okay. And effectively, there were people in Congress that were like, look, that's such a small section of the Mormons. Like, do we really need to say it's illegal? Because there's not mm-hmm. that many people that are actually doing it. Yeah. I don't know that we need to dip our hands into it. And then the Slippery Slope folks jumped in and they were like, no, because if they do, yeah. Then you've got Warren Jeffs, modern day. Yeah. So be careful. What? Warren Jackson,
2: <laughs> fundamentalist, LDS, <laughs> dressed up as a woman to evade the feds. You, you don't know this story?
1: Is that the guy that jumped out of the hijacked airplane with all the money? <laughs> no, that was James Bond. Is that not him? You know who I'm talking about, Russ. Yeah. In Oregon, they yeah. never found him. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I am <laughs> completely clueless. Not that guy. Uh, so he, he didn't really have a plan as a president. He Shocking. didn't really. Yeah, because uh, I mean, he, I, I don't think he wanted to be the president. He, yeah. Nor was I. He may have not known he was the president. <laughs> I mean, they were like, "Here, this is your house now," and he's like, "The one falling apart." <laughs> I love it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. Looked it up on Zillow. I mean, we don't have a ton to talk about with him as president. I Not know he. Really. They did know that there was a canal in Central America that would be important, and the Congress at that time that made the decision it was going to be in Nicaragua. I didn't know this, so let's put a pin in that, okay? Uh, because that's going to come up later. Okay. Yeah. Oh,
2: the Panama Canal, Panama which is oh, a, you, a, spoilers? A
1: spoilers. I'm sorry. You're just telling everybody it doesn't end up in Nicaragua?
2: All I'm saying is that the Panama Canal is a palindrome when you say a man, a plan, a yeah. canal. Panama. got it. Blaine, can I get back to my notes? Sorry. Gosh. Oh. Taking us with Mormons, with canals, good grief. It's all the stuff. Listen, Taylor's brief time in the White House was also marred by a financial scandal involving several members of his administration, including Secretary of War George Crawford. But overall, he was a popular president at the time, though history now has viewed him more harshly for his passivity in the face of growing sectional tensions. With his vice president and future
1: president, Millard <laughs> Fillmore's support, what did I say? What what Just a lot of sectional tension in the White House? <laughs> 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 I've been waiting on my telegram.
2: (laughs) Okay, with Fillmore's support, Congress later adopted the Compromise of 1850. If you want to learn more about that, just go ahead and Google it. Would Um, you
1: say that that compromise provided the sectional healing? I am so proud of
0: you.
2: The Compromise of 1850 had inconsistencies that paved the way for future discord in Kansas and ultimately for the outbreak of the Civil War in 1861 oh my goodness okay he also uh was increasingly unwilling to appease southern slave owners though he was a slaveholder himself and he opposed a compromise bill proposed by epic loser henry clay that would combine (laughs) california's admission to the union with the abolition of the slave trade in washington dc which was supported by abolitionists and a strong fugitive slave law supported by southerners while allowing New Mexico and Utah to be established as
1: territories. you got to kind of hand it to Henry Clay for his stick-to-itiveness. Gosh.
2: Someone had to get in his ear, though, and be like, hey, man, I don't know if—I mean, you might be good at this, but I don't know about president. Do Maybe you, you just, just wanna- do,
1: do you think—does Kentucky celebrate Henry Clay? Like, is there a Henry Clay high school?
2: Oh, there's got to be. Come on. There has to be. I'm
1: sure— if you're if you live in Kentucky and you know about Henry Clay High School, please tell us what the mascot is. Please. Because, boy, uh, <laughs> I've got some ideas. Yeah. Yeah. What would that be? I mean, there has to
2: be a Henry Clay High School. Blank, er, the Henry Ken-
1: Henry Clay Bridesmaids. Never the bride, though. Yeah. Mm. What else? What's another historic? What's an animal that like doesn't win?
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh, that's a good question.
1: Uh, oh, they're, they're the Blue Devils. They're the Blue Devils. Hmm. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. That's uh, no. clearly a lot of creativity. I happening. think they should just be the epic losers. <laughs> just, how many times have they gotten second at the state championship?
2: Or just like third or fourth. Good grief. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh my gosh. Well, listen, we're going to refresh our. Wait, no. Before we do that,
1: uh, because we don't have a lot of time to talk about Taylor, I would like to learn about his vice president. You know,
2: here's the thing, Blaine.
1: I wish that there was
2: someone in this local vicinity who knew a lot from. skimming one book about the vice presidents who could tell us a, just a little something
1: about Zachary Taylor's vice president. Tell us about how his vice president provided the sectional healing. Russ Russ Slifka, ladies and gentlemen, we turn
2: the conch over to you. That was a Lord of the Flies reference. I got it. Thank you. Uh, tell us about Zachary Taylor's vice president. Russ, go. <laughs>
3: uh, Zachary Taylor's vice president was Millard Fillmore. Mm. We've talked about him before. Yeah. Maybe a familiar name. Mm-hmm. Pretty milk toast. Fairly milk toast, yeah. I guess. From um, Buffalo, fr- from Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. So when he became vice president, to Tonka, and... <laughs> <Tetonka>, New York. <laughs>
2: Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead.
3: Go ahead. I mean, he he became vice president, and he be- he got on the ticket because they needed kind of that abolitionist. <laughs> they needed that abolitionist bend. To Taylor, who was, you know, um, the the south, slavery. the south was very yeah. rah rah pro mm-hmm. slavery, so they thought that Millard Fillmore would be the abolitionist side to that.
2: Okay, mm-hmm.
3: when he was elected, Zachary Taylor was pretty excited about it because Taylor did not have the political background that Fillmore did. Fillmore was very...
1: That was all he did yeah. in life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. Like, I mean, he was... He Policy was, was his passion.
3: Yes, and he was very entrenched in the Whig party. Policy was his passion. He was very much a, a consummate uh, politician. And Taylor was pretty excited, and he even told him, listen, you're going to have a lot of influence in my administration. That is when Taylor thought that the vice president was part of his cabinet.
2: <laughs> he didn't know that it wasn't. He he was not aware of that. <laughs> I love that. So,
3: you know, Fillmore was pretty excited because Taylor had said, you're going to have a lot of influence here Yeah, to even help selecting, you know, my cabinet members.
1: So he was basically, he's uh, like, I get an assistant? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is
3: that, great. That's really what it was. That's really get, what he thought. I get to sleep inside. <laughs> <laughs> so when... Um, <laughs> When Fillmore was, you know, actually took the role as vice president, he had made a a bargain, a pact with Thurlow Weed and William Seward. So Thurwood. Seward. Seward. Yeah. Thurlow Weed was kind of a political boss from New York okay Mm -hmm. Um, Tammany Hall Tammany Hall he had he originally been a newspaperman what's
2: what's Tammany Hall again
1: it's like the the hub of New York politics that's where everything is made essentially yeah Yeah. I mean just overflowing with corruption yeah
3: yeah I mean they had eventually called it um, Thurlow Weeds kind of um they called it the weed machine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, hold on. I need a moment to just take True. that. In. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The so, weed machine. The weed machine. Yeah. So, in the weed like, machine. Weed. All, right all, yeah. right, all, all right, 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 all right, all right. All right, <laughs> all right.
2: Any room he walks into just smoke follows
1: me.
2: <laughs> Snoop Dogg's on in the background. What is this rap music? Baking what? things with what? Martha Stewart. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, part of the weed machine was. Every time you say it. I love it.
1: It was a real grinder. Oh, gosh. (laughs)
3: William William Seward? Seward? Seward. 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who was originally Weed's pick for the vice president over Fillmore. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But Fillmore took it. So uh, Seward eventually just became the senator, just. Became the yeah. senator from New York. Okay. So they had all made a pact that they would all have kind of equal influence in how Taylor was going to elect his cabinet as well as fill other federal uh, offices. That's cool. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. Until oh. they went behind Fillmore's back. Hmm. So when Seward got to Washington, D.C., he made a lot of friends with those that were in the cabinet of Taylor and basically... Got Fillmore behind his back out of the
1: out of inner the mix circle.
3: altogether. Yeah, out of the inner circle altogether. So when He was no longer
1: in the Wolf Pack.
3: He was no <laughs> longer in the Wolf Pack. Yeah. So when he had given his who he thought should be in Taylor's cabinet to Zachary Taylor, it didn't happen because it had already gotten those choices from Weed and Seward.
2: The Weed Machine.
3: The Weed Machine is was
2: Seward in full the effect. Same guy who bought, <laughs> is Seward the same guy who bought Alaska? Is that the same Seward that we're talking about?
1: Mm, I don't think so. I think that's a William Seward, isn't it? Who who's This the, was William Seward.
2: This, uh, it might have been the same. Oh, I think then maybe. Yeah. He, he, I think he bought Alaska for like two million bucks. He bought Alaska. Yeah, just on his own dime. Which had Franklin Roosevelt on it at the time, which was amazing. No, that's a lie. All of that's amazing. Okay, so this is the
1: same Seward.
3: Yeah, so they had gone behind his back.
1: William Seward, yeah. 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 Secretary of State. Same Seward, yeah. 1867. So we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I was going to say, I think we're pre-Alaska at this point.
2: There is a Seward, Alaska, which I've been to on a cruise ship. It's a garbage (gasps) town.
1: Literally, Literally, there's there's a fish cannery. In it's like half our listeners. No, I'm saying they... Yeah, PA pre Alaska. Home. We will, by the way, really dive into Tammany Hall politics.
2: With Fillmore coming up.
1: No, well, it, it kind of... I mean, this is kind of the tip of the iceberg. We're going to really dive into it, and it gets somewhat heavy uh, through the Civil War, leading into the Cleveland-Arthur-TR timeframe. Yeah. McKinley, like right. that whole time frame. like there was a lot of stuff happening in New York with Tammany Hall yeah. and corruption, and because of how corrupt they were... A lot of federal legislation had to happen to Correct. stem that tide. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So we'll we'll get heavy yeah. into that. It's an stuff.
2: interesting season in this American president uh, the the timeline, kind of where we are now. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of sleepers, but then as it gets to McKinley, Teddy Roosevelt, there's a lot of uh, movement right up towards World War One. And all that. I have
1: a favorite Tammany Hall character that will come in and out of our stories he was never a president he was never really a politician okay per se and maybe we'll do an extra episode about him general daniel sickles that we'll, general, maybe we'll do a separate adjacent episode daniel, about him daniel, daniel sickles. Sickles. sickles sorry
2: yeah russ thank you as always for skimming that one book on vice presidents
3: i read every single word uh, of that chapter god bless
2: you <laughs> today (laughs) thank you for enlightening us on zach taylor's vp millard fillmore hey on that note we're going to refresh our backbone bourbon and let you hear from another of our fantastic sponsors before we dive into taylor's legacy and little known facts about him you're listening to episode 12 the ruffian of the presequential
1: podcast hey everyone this is blaine veteran suicide is a huge issue within the veteran community through different experiences too many of our brothers and sisters have gone down this road and the team at vets lives matter is working to combat this issue vets lives matter is a cohort of veteran and civilians working on a mission to enhance veterans lives by teaming up with local veteran nonprofits across the country through a combination of physical challenges and fundraising efforts, we will end veteran suicide. Be sure to follow on all social media platforms at Fets Lives Matter, to learn how to donate and participate in challenges in your community. Together, we will beat this.
2: Hey, welcome back! Thanks for listening to the Presidential Podcast. We are on episode twelve, the ruffian of President Number Twelve, Zachary. Taylor, thanks to all of our fantastic sponsors for all their support of the podcast. And thank you to you for listening. Blaine, what else do you have about Zachary
1: Taylor's presidency? So uh, I covered most of it um, because there's not a lot. Uh, Got you off track a couple of times. Oh, man, that was fun. Um, So he decides he wants to take like a tour of the Northeast. Which was he was told not to do it because there was an outbreak of cholera happening at the time. This is a man who has lived from Wisconsin to Arkansas to the uh, dirt fields of Mexico, and he was not faced by cholera. Yeah, uh, didn't take a mask, and
0: <laughs>
1: he <laughs> that got Russ. <rough. laughs> <laughs> Let alone a double mask, mm-hmm. and he contracted cholera uh, probably he got very sick which was unfortunate because right around that time was when he started like actually picking up steam of how to be the president hmm. and started kind of turning a corner to like d- diplomacy and and the yeah. things that you would expect a president to be he got very sick and he died uh, <laughs> on July 9th yes more than likely from cholera in his style uh his final words were very concise Mm -hmm. he said i am about to die i expect the summons soon i have endeavored to discharge all of my official duties faithfully i regret nothing but i am sorry that i am about to leave my friends and then (laughs) yeah and then the death rattle uh Yeah. So not as concise as uh, the hostilities have commenced um, or our victory has been complete, but his victory is now complete.
2: Can we dive in a little bit to how he died? So early July, 1850. Can can I leapfrog off of what you just shared? Listen, he had a ton of military achievements under his belt, but life wasn't a bowl of cherries for old rough and ready, was it? Quite the opposite, actually. (laughs) While discussions were taking place among the leaders of Congress on a compromise solution to the question of slavery in the Western territories, Zach Taylor took a break in July 1850, like Blaine just said. He went upstate.
1: Oh, got one. (laughs) Take a break. There was a lake. What? That's my Hamilton reference. Oh, gosh. Okay, we have a rule that you have to drink every time Blaine makes
2: a Hamilton reference. I
1: didn't think I'd be able to figure one out in this. I've never been more proud of you than that moment. Well, that's a lot. You've said that more than once (laughs) in the last hour. I've
2: also had four backbone (laughs)
1: breakfasts.
2: He took a break in July 1850 to observe the groundbreaking ceremonies on July 4th, Independence Day, of the new Washington Monument. He came home and helped himself to a snack of iced milk and cherries. He fell ill with stomach cramps almost immediately. And died, like you said, just five days later, on July 9th, 1850, at the age of 65, only 16 months into his presidency. He became the second president in less than a decade to die in office from illness. Preceded nine years earlier by another war hero turned ninth president, William Henry Harrison. Many speculated that his system was shocked when he drank such cold milk on such a hot day, while others believed he had been poisoned because of his stance against the spread of slavery. The latter theory was disproved nearly 150 years later after his death. Taylor's body was exhumed in 1991 and tested for arsenic levels. While there was indeed arsenic present, it was not enough to be fatal." The medical examiners who opened Taylor's casket reported that his body was well-preserved and was recognizable from photographs of the long-dead president. I had never heard this myth before, but apparently Taylor's
1: death... You said you had heard it, though, in the opening of the podcast. I
2: had heard that he was exhumed, but I did not hear that his death also created the myth that milk and cherries are a poisonous combination. Have you guys ever heard that? Milk and
1: cherries. To dogs? To dogs? (laughs)
2: No, <laughs> to humans, apparently you're not supposed <laughs> to drink milk and cherries.
1: But if if you have heard that myth, apparently it's fine. What about those little candies that grandmas used to have that were like tra- strawberries and cream? Was it not cherries and cream? Are you talking about like the strawberry that's just wrapped up no, to look no, like, no, a no. They were, like a strawberry? No, no, They Brox were candy? circular. They had an indent in the middle and they were like red and white. Oh, you're talking about a sucret's throat lozenge. Nope. <laughs> You
2: grew up with your like great great grandmother though, right? Great grandmother. Great grandmother.
1: Yeah. She didn't have them. I just associate them with old people. <laughs> Somebody out there knows that it was like cherries and cream. And yeah. like your grandma gave them to yeah. you. Peaches and cream by Jagged Edge. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, historical researchers
2: believe the life-threatening stomach issues suffered by Taylor and his two predecessors. This is crazy. James K. Polk and William Henry Harrison can be traced to a single cause. So this is nearly three presidents in a row. Uh, you have Tyler in there, but he died uh, a traitor. <laughs> I don't know what he died of, but I know he died.
1: He died of treason. Yeah, that's right.
2: <laughs> but William Henry Harrison, James K. Polk. And Zachary Taylor, all in the 1840s, 1830s, around there, were in D.C. It didn't yet have a modern sewer system. And the White House sourced all of its water through a nearby spring, which also happened to be a few blocks downhill from a sewage dump, Mm. which was a perfect breeding ground for the deadly bacteria that cause gastroenteritis and cholera.
1: It's a smart city planning.
2: Right. Horrible. Yeah. yeah, let's have it. Let's have the White House downhill from from where we dropped of the sewage. sewage. Yeah. So that's three presidents in about a decade's time to die mm-hmm. from cholera. A lot of people think William Henry Harrison died because he didn't wear a coat at his inauguration. He got pneumonia. That was the only diagnosis at the time that the medical examiner could actually pin because he did have pneumonia. But it
1: wasn't. Yeah, but it wasn't really from his inauguration. It was from basically overwork and continuing to work and overwork once he had pneumonia Mm. because remember there was that time that he was like incredibly sick but he felt that he needed to deliver this is William Henry Harrison yeah Yeah. he he was incredibly sick but he felt that he needed to hand deliver an appointment to his cabinet that's right he was like walking through slush in like bare feet
2: this is for you yeah it's like why is the president walking through slush to deliver me a letter oh
1: he's dead yeah oh god I can see you dying yeah hey president (laughs) we have this letter from Zach Zach Taylor. Oh, you're dead. Never mind. You're I'll dead. throw Sorry, this away. Sorry, gosh. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting.
2: The three presidents around the same time all died from the most likely the same cause, which was cholera, which could have been fixed with just different drainage mm-hmm. for the White House. But
1: we're not eating cherries and milk. Don't eat cherries and milk. That's <laughs> it. I really, please don't start a new TikTok challenge oh, gosh. Uh, like cherries and milk challenge. <laughs> like,
2: you ever heard of Zach Taylor? Yeah. Gosh. Oh, man. Um, this was interesting. When I read this, I wanted I, I I added a note to ask you about this. Blaine Taylor's horse, Old Whitey. First of all, did every <laughs> nickname back in the day have "old" in front of it? Good yeah, we week. had the quiz last episode. Old Fuss and Feathers. That was Winfield Scott. <clears throat> old <clears> rough, and rough and Ready.
1: That's Zach Taylor. And old
2: Hickory. That's Andrew Jackson. Old Bullion. Old Bullion. Who was Old
1: Bullion? Thomas Hart Benton. Oh, from you uh, also didn't get that. Senator ago. from Missouri. But well, you got me again, Blaine.
2: <laughs> well, Taylor had a horse called Old Whitey. Was led riderless with boots backward in the stirrups as was and is the Army custom. So I had a question for you. Are you familiar with this? You're, mm-hmm. you're in the Army. You've been in the Army for years. What's the deal with boots being backwards in the stirrups on the horse? Do you know is, anything about this? Nope.
1: Never heard of that. Uh, they do that for Grant? Uh, I don't know. I would imagine that they would have. One of the biggest, like, pomp and circumstance old, memorial service.
2: Old pomp and circumstance. Yeah. Hmm.
1: I don't. Yeah, no, I don't. You haven't heard that? Mm-mm. Okay. When I was reading, I was like, I circled that and I said. Because the modern-day one is the boots with the rifle going up with the helmet on the rifle and the dog tags. Okay. That's like the modern memorial. Okay. But yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I don't doubt that that was.
2: This is a bit of a tangent. Are horses still used in the modern U.S. Army, Blaine? Yeah. They are? Okay. Uh, Like the cavalry?
1: Well, no. Well, I'm sure some. the majority of them are in Maryland and in D.C. with the Honor Guard. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
2: You know, as I was reading, I was just curious about that. Why the backwards boots? I don't know. If you know, if you're listening and you know the origin from that, please hit us up. In your car
1: yelling it. (laughs)
2: Backward boots.
1: Yeah. Like, how do you not know this? <laughs> At hotmail.com. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs>
2: after a stint in the Congressional Cemetery in D.C., the 12th president, Zachary Taylor, was eventually moved to the Family Cemetery in Louisville, Kentucky. In the 1920s, the area around the Taylor family plot was turned into the Zachary Taylor National Cemetery. Blaine, let's talk a little bit about Zach Taylor's legacy,
1: shall we? Sure. All right. If this were in the time of presidential libraries, his would have been quite small. Yes, because he was only, what, 16 months in office, I think? Well, not only that, but he was very uneducated. Probably the most uneducated of all the presidents. Mm. I mean, he didn't write a letter until he was trying to get into the Army. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. wasn't a lawyer.
2: Maybe Andrew Jackson was also uneducated. Growing up in the Wax Hills out in uh, yeah. Carolina. School.
1: Washington wasn't very educated, but yeah. like formally, but right. like had informal education. College was much different back then. Yeah. 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 But I would say like from an actual education standpoint, yeah. like he didn't go to school yeah. at all.
2: His mom taught him what she knew, which yeah. this is no dig to her, but probably wasn't a lot back yeah. then. Yeah. Because of his short tenure in office, Taylor is remembered more for his exploits on the battlefield than for the wisdom of his conduct of the presidency.
1: School of hard knocks, if you will.
2: I might. Okay. Fort Knox, back in the day. (laughs) Yeah. There it is. There it is. Without Taylor's death, the Compromise of 1850, which allowed California into the Union as a free state, but which kept slavery possible in other territories, may never have happened. While historical rankings of presidents of the U.S. have generally placed Taylor in the bottom third of chief executives, most surveys tend to rank him as the most effective of the four presidents from the Whig Party. Now, according to Wait, C- okay,
1: which, which is like <laughs> yeah. it's like the most successful
2: Whig is like yeah. Okay, what else you got, buddy? Yeah, that's
1: congratulations, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> According to C-SPAN's presidential historian survey, Zach Taylor currently sits in the number 31 position, just below Indiana's own Benjamin Harrison. Harrison. And right above, do you have a guess?
1: Right. So to who's 32?
2: He, uh, yeah. So,
1: uh, Taft.
2: Uh, close. Rutherford B. Hayes. No. Oh. Kind of close.
1: Yeah. Eh, yeah. Yeah. Same era, kinda. I guess.
2: I had a question for you. And okay. this this is a <laughs> this is a hard question. Finish the sentence. Maybe we should do this for episodes future as well. Zachary Taylor is the reason the United States of America dot, dot, dot.
1: Mm, Zachary Taylor is the reason the United States of America got rid of old nicknames. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Has a first lady Oh, maybe. I don't know what else though.
1: Uh, I I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. That, like th- why the reason America changed the sewage plant yeah. in Washington D.C. He's he's a tough one to try to pin down as far as like what is his over You don't have an answer for that no, question. No, I don't have it. Oh, jeez. No, I'm okay. not asking you for that. I, I the thought right it was answer. a trivia question. No, no, no.
2: I'm just saying what do
1: you think? Uh, I'm I've, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's a tough one. It's his from a legacy standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that there's a lot that changed because of him as president. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a chance we don't win certain battles in the Mexican-American War because of him. Mm, okay, but even then, like, he didn't. He wasn't the one that made the artillery that really. Yeah. Like swung the. The pendulum
2: had he lived, and this is sort of a theoretical
1: mm-hmm. question,
2: kind of similar. I think we asked this a little bit with William Henry Harrison. Had he lived longer than you know,
1: if six, he would have lived a full, if he would have a full term, a full term, yeah, what uh, do you think
2: might have, would have happened?
1: We wouldn't have Millard Fillmore mm. as a president, Oof. which uh, it, that is different uh, like the, <laughs> the Alec
2: Baldwin doesn't have a doppelganger. <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, we, there's not like the one president to fall back on when nobody can think of an, uh, of an obscure president Yeah, because like anytime it, it almost never fails. It's like name an obscure president. It's Millard Fillmore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's not, maybe then the answer to that question is Rutherford B. Hayes. I don't, sure. I don't know. I don't know that it's a whole, that it's a whole lot different. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's sort of in that series of presidents from like Jackson to Lincoln. Right.
1: That were kind of, it's a, yeah, it's a weird, I mean, there's obviously like, like Fillmore, like I said, he fills that obscure blank. There's Buchanan, and pierce being kind of the instigators of how the civil war starts yeah there, there's some interesting things in there yeah. but outside of Fillmore, obviously pierce and buchanan th- there is a huge difference if they're not present sure granted the result may have been the same but because of their actions the civil war happened yeah specifically because of their actions so yeah. they do have a of long reaching effects from their presidency
2: i like this question cuz this is kind of the purpose of the whole podcast right of like this is
1: one of the more tough ones to answer yeah
2: Yeah, one, he didn't live long, but two, when he was in office, he didn't really do much. There also wasn't going on a ton nationally around him that really was like a big event, Mm -hmm. you know, that that made his presidency really memorable.
1: Compromise of 1850. Ah, yes, you've heard of that. That everybody knows
2: about. Yeah, yeah, on a Tuesday in social studies for three minutes. What's
1: funny is I I think the book presupposed that he would— what a great what usage this, of presuppose everyone knows that General Custer died at the Battle of Little Bighorn but sure. what this book presupposes is maybe he didn't um wait what that's Russ got it what is that from <laughs> I missed that reference one of my favorite parts is when I make a movie reference that you don't get <laughs> that uh, Russ gets <laughs> uh that's from the Royal Tenenbaums oh okay I um, think I saw that once <laughs> I was sober uh he he. The the book pretty much lays out that the Compromise of eighteen fifty. He probably would have vetoed.
2: Yeah, because he wasn't really a big proponent of the fugitive slave law, right? Mm-hmm. That was going down in it.
1: It may have not passed, and it was really probably the crowning achievement of his presidency. Gosh, and if that's the crowning achievement
2: of your presidency, <laughs> yeah,
1: yikes. Let's I mean, the crowning of achievement of his presidency was mixing those cherries and milk. <laughs> She never should have done. Don't you dare, if you're listening to this, Mm -hmm. drink milk and eat cherries. Or have a cherry milkshake.
2: Mm. Let's dive into some little-known facts. This is one of my favorite segments of the podcast. We do this every every episode. Little-known facts about Zachary Taylor. You guys ready? Mm -hmm. Let's do this. Taylor was one of nine U.S. presidents who never attended college. Can you name the other eight? Russ and Blaine. Name the other eight U.S. presidents. (laughs) Okay, we'll never, do a back
1: and forth. Never
2: attended college. Okay, Go. George Washington. There's one. Jimmy Carter. Uh <sighs> nope. <laughs> Sorry. Blaine, maybe you should just take this solo. <laughs>
1: Washington that is not easy. Uh, uh I'm we both I'm named going this other it. guy. Do what? We we both named this other guy this episode. I think when? twenty dollar Bill. Oh, Andrew Jackson. There he is. Okay. Yeah, that was a dead giveaway. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so all these are dead. <laughs> okay. Well, that helps. Yeah. There um, you go. So it's clearly not Jimmy Carter. <laughs> nope. Uh, <laughs>
2: Mister Peanut himself. Yes.
1: Um, give me some more clues. Uh, Dutch. Van Buren. There he is. Okay. Eight. Another cool. uh, Super Milk Toast. We've said him about seventeen
2: times in this episode. Sub- Fillmore. There he is. He didn't go
1: to college. No, didn't go to college. Oh. Huh.
2: Let's go to Indiana, our home state. Oh,
1: Benjamin Harrison. No, 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 no. Oh, William
2: Henry Harrison. No, 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 no. The other one spent a lot of his boyhood years here.
1: Oh, Lincoln. There he is. Oh, that's cash.
2: Okay. uh, Super racist after Lincoln. (laughs) That doesn't narrow it down at all. Uh, A Tennessee man.
1: Number 17. Oh, Tyler. No. No. Impeached. Oh, Andrew Johnson. There he is. Twice. Uh,
2: There he is. Uh, Married a woman who was like 30 years his junior. Cleveland? Yep. (laughs) And dropped the atomic bomb. Uh, FDR?
1: No. 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 Wait,
2: His middle initial was S. Truman? There it is. Why did I say FDR? I don't know. Truman didn't go to college? He
1: didn't. Huh. There is a Truman College.
2: (laughs) There's Buffalo College in Buffalo for Fillmore, and (laughs) he didn't go to college.
1: Well, it's, I guess... Without having reread my notes on Fillmore, he was so into policy and things like that. He just seemed very studious. So it it seemed like an easy answer when you said it, but I thought for he for sure went. Hey, it's okay. Yeah, well, (laughs) sorry. Uh, you'd think that since we've done episodes on yeah, the majority of them, right. I would have gotten some. Taylor is the only president in
2: U.S. history who never held either public office nor the top post in the U.S. military. The highest he got was Major General, which essentially made him a battlefield general. He was the most non-political man who ever got elected to the White House.
1: Hm. Yeah. Even, okay. Even who? Even more than, uh, Wilson? Because oh. he was the president of Princeton? In 1910, and then was President of the United States in 1912. Mm. I guess he could have held something in between there.
2: Yeah, it's not a public
1: office, though. That's a private office. That's what I'm saying. He didn't hold. Oh, I see what you're saying.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, tomato. But I'm, yeah, I'm
1: only 75 pages into that book.
2: (laughs) Taylor is the only true independent president we've ever had since the formation of the two-party system in 1820. He was not a
1: member of any political party during his life and never held public office prior to becoming president. That can't be true. Because John Tyler. Remember, the Whigs were like, sure, you could be vice president, and then kicked him out of the party. Like, he was only formally a member of the party because they needed a vice presidential candidate.
2: Yeah, but he was hanging out at the Whigs convention, though, wasn't he? He wasn't hanging out at the other, I mean, at the No, I don't
1: think so. Was he not? I don't think so. I thought he was there when he got nominated. We'll have to go back and listen to episode 10. (laughs) Well, I think he was there when he got nominated, yes, but he was not a Whig.
2: Yeah, no one either. No one even asked him. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, I'll give you. Oh, that's a disputed little note. Okay, we. Yeah, okay. A little stamp that Deep says bumps. disputed. Yeah, uh, Taylor, while
1: in battle, rode his horse side saddle. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which for a guy named Old this Rough old and old Ready,
1: I'm a manly man, and we find. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess there's potentially some benefits to riding side saddle, actually. From a marksmanship standpoint,
2: okay. How so? Let's unpack this. Yeah, the
1: uh, the Empire's Summer Moon of uh, the, the Comanche, they were uh, like really adept. Wait, what did you just say? The Empire of the Summer Moon. Yeah, there's what a is- book about the Comanche Indians okay. called Empire of the Summer Moon, and they were adept horsemen, and they could like fire off hmm. like seven to eight arrows in the time it took you to reload your your rifle. Wow. And they would teach their, their children from like five years old how to ride on the side of a horse and reload your arrows, basically using the horse as protection, as cover.
2: Like holding onto the mane mm-hmm. and maybe the hindquarters yeah. or something.
1: Yeah. So retract my statement. That actually was probably beneficial to him knowing that.
2: Wow. I'm impressed with your thorough knowledge of the Comanche. <laughs> <fighting> <laughs> it's a style. great book is it
1: yeah empire of the summer moon it is a fantastic read that's cool Mm -hmm. i thought
2: when you said teach your children i immediately thought of crosby stills nash and young that's a great song (laughs) of theirs but that's another podcast were they
1: did i don't see crosby like riding a horse period no they they wrote a song with that hat
2: mustache yeah anyway Uh, or was
1: that nash or young i don't it wasn't young who had the hat and the mustache
2: uh, that was David Crosby. Crosby, okay. Also uh, was the sperm donor for oh. Melissa Etheridge and her partner's okay. child. <laughs> Write that down.
1: <laughs> Good to know.
2: <laughs> Taylor's horse, Old Whitey, grazed on the lawn of the White House. He's just out there munching on some D.C. grass just out there. <laughs> Taylor was the last president to own slaves while in office as president. Praise the Lord for that.
1: Yeah. Wait. Oh, while in office,
2: okay. Yeah, while he was in office. Of all the reputed skills a president should desire, consistent accuracy when firing a chunk of chewing tobacco at a spittoon probably isn't high on the list. But Zachary Taylor took pride in his renown as a terrific shot spitting chaw into a spittoon. Really, really good. Very accurate. Probably came from all of his
1: years uh, being raised by the Comanche. <laughs> I, that's not what I said. <laughs> uh, I do have a question. That was this. one of the things that comes up in the White House is how often like people are just spitting their tobacco juice everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like just from every- him, I think the next like two or three presidents, it becomes a, an issue because it's like on their shirts. Gosh. And, yeah, in the carpet.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Um, is it true that army helicopters are named after? Native American tribes.
1: A lot of them are yes. Okay. Yeah, but that's not when you said Comanche. On I was topic like, at I f- all.
2: I feel like there's a Comanche helicopter. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, <laughs> it's not on topic, but we're just we're in the latter,
1: the yeah. latter portion of <laughs> episode twelve on Zachary Taylor. <laughs> yeah. I figure we're, we can talk about it. We're on day one sixty one of his presidency. <laughs> yeah. um, yes, the most of the okay. army helicopters are named after. Name, name some others that are that, There's Kiowa, Kiowa.
2: Okay, I think it's Kiowa, but it's okay. <laughs> not in the Army,
1: state. it's not. Well, my in-laws the Apache have a vacation home Black in Kiowa Island, South Carolina. So. Apache Blackhawk. Blackhawk, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. There's. I mean, those Those are the, the fun ones. <laughs> <laughs> the other ones we can't talk about. Well, no, I mean, I'm just saying. It's okay. Yeah.
2: Did we talk about how his daughter served as First Lady while he was president? I don't know if we talked about that. So one of Taylor's daughters, Elizabeth, fulfilled the duties of first lady. Another, again, a term that he coined. That's pretty cool. Uh, While he was president, Taylor's wife, Margaret, had made an earlier bargain with God, promising to forego public appearances if her husband returned safely from the war in Mexico. And she resided quietly upstairs in the White House as a virtual recluse. So his daughter, Elizabeth, essentially served as public hostess first lady. Okay. Um, the, the public female face. Yeah,
1: which is the, the main role of the First Lady at Correct. the time. Yeah. Yes.
2: Taylor's only son, Richard, would later become a general in the Confederate Army. And his mansion would be burned by Union soldiers during the Civil War. And that is the reason why historians and we do not have Zachary Taylor's personal papers hmm. in posterity. Was it in Georgia? It was in Baton Rouge. Mm. So, Zach Taylor basically says to his son Richard, Hey, take my personal papers. Mm-hmm. Richard does, is a Confederate general, and his mansion, where his dad, the 12th president's papers, are, is burned by Union forces.
1: Fun fact about Baton Rouge uh, LSU, which is in Baton Rouge, the Tigers. was originally designed to be a military academy, and its first president was William Sherman. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Huh. He actually got called to the Civil War from LSU.
2: Wow, that's cool. Because well, I'm,
1: at the time it had a different name, but yeah.
2: Currently, I'm reading right now Grant, mm-hmm. uh, his biography, and there's a lot of Sherman in that.
1: That's cool. Oh, there sure is. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. Did yeah. someone say Georgia's a battleground state?
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow, let's burn that it to the ground. That
1: was my favorite election meme. <laughs>
2: William took the chairman. Somebody
1: put the, the famous painting of him, put yeah. a giant smile on it. <laughs> <laughs> it said, Did someone say Georgia is from a battleground, battleground state? state yeah. From a man who famously oh. never smiled. No, but famously burned Atlanta. Sure did. Yeah. All of Georgia. All of Georgia, basically. Save Augusta. Uh, Baton
2: Rouge means red stick because they would mark the boundary lines. Back in the day, uh, this is a French territory at the mm-hmm. time. They would mark the territory with a red stick that you could see from far away. Mm-hmm. Baton, baton rouge. Mm-hmm. That's how they used to say it. Now, Mike the tiger roams free. G e a u x go tigers mm-hmm. yucks tigers upon his death in 1850 Taylor's estate was valued at around 120 thousand dollars equivalent to six million bucks today wow so
1: he was he was kind of balling to say the least well when Dad gives you 320 <laughs> acres as a wedding present
2: thanks Dad oh man oh and there's then, and then to you booth?
1: leave <laughs> for years yeah
2: just <laughs> see ya yeah I'm gonna go kill some people oh man after Washington. Jefferson, Jackson, and Lincoln. So 137 and 16. Zachary Taylor number 12 was the fifth American president to appear on a US postage stamp.
1: Hmm, that's an interesting choice. Yeah, right? So they all of those presidents were on stamps and then somebody was like, and I've f- got an idea. And then the Taylor. product manager of the postal service was like, <laughs> got the perfect person. You know what? Why? I don't know. Was it? I bet it was the anniversary of the Mexican American. It had to have been. Yeah. It had to have been.
2: 1948, you think?
1: Something like that. Yeah. It had to. There's no other reason. Yeah. Unless it was like cholera month. Or they were like, (laughs) hey, this. They were like, this guy lived everywhere and had to write letters home all the time. He's the perfect person for a stamp. He's, this is what's funny. <laughs> he was in Wisconsin. He was in Arkansas. He was in Oklahoma. Sent he sent him a letter to let him know he
2: got president. He yeah, never opened it.
1: That's true. It. Yeah, maybe that was maybe it was an inside joke, I like really... Andrew Jackson being on the twenty. A man who famously yes. hated paper money. Hated paper money. Yeah, maybe it was. They were like, hey, you remember how this guy got screwed by the post office? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just put him yeah. on a stamp.
2: This was fun. This is my favorite personal, my favorite little known fact of Zachary Taylor. There's a tiny town of 963 people in California outside of Sacramento named after Zachary Taylor's wartime nickname, Rough and Ready, California.
1: That's cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. There's a truth or consequences, New Mexico, Yeah. which is on topic. <laughs> <laughs> and or not? Yeah,
2: I feel like the the small town that has more than one word in it, mm-hmm. or more than two words. I feel like if you have a town that more than two words in it, that's that's very distinct. Is kind of like the college mascots that don't end in an S. End in the S. Yeah, like the William and Mary tribe. That's right. We've talked about them a lot. Lots of episodes. Gosh, lots all of these, All these Virginians. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other little-known facts about Zachary Taylor, Blank? I
1: I don't have Russ, any. Russ, do you?
2: No. Okay. Well, if you have a little-known fact that we did not share, please share it on social at Presequential. That's P-R-E-S-I-Q-U-E-N-T-I-A-L. Also, let us know what you thought of this episode. If you loved it, please subscribe and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Share it with a fellow history buff, and please Leave a review. Also, you can get episodes early, ad-free, and you can get some bonus episodes of the podcast when you join our Patreon community. Go to patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Presequential. Our next episode on 13th President, Millard Fillmore, will be released on Wednesday, July 7th, 2021. We hope you've enjoyed episode 12, The Ruffian of the Presequential Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much.